so let me review again. Point number one, be eager to meet church members. Point number two, sing with thanksgiving. Sing with thanksgiving. Point number three, greet others. And point number four, pray for someone. And like I said earlier, today's sermon about this Sunday at church is going to be topical. We're not looking at only one passage. We're looking on throughout. And by the way, when you guys listen to this, uh, remember, like I said, I'm saying this is everything anyone could apply, from the youngest to the oldest, okay? So let's look at point number one. Be eager to meet church members, okay? Be eager to meet church members. With this point, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, okay? Let's turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, okay? As you guys slowly turn there, it's in the New Testament. It's towards the second half uh, of... The Bible, I don't think it's helpful if I say it's next to 2 Thessalonians, right? Uh, but 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 17. If you guys are at 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 17. This is what God's Word says. But we, brethren, having been taken away for you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. This verse is to establish our first point that every one of us, this is something every Sunday we should be doing. And which is point number one is be eager to meet church members. By way of context, 1 Thessalonians is actually written by the Apostle Paul, okay? He's like the 1.5 or second generation Christian. He was not living or he was, he was not one of the original followers when Jesus was in his <coughs> earthly ministry, when Jesus was physically alive before he was crucified. But of course, he saw Christ later through a vision and he was knocked down on the ground. He was someone that went around killing Christians, Hurting Christians. But God changed his life around. From someone that was very eager. He, uh, if you guys remember Acts. He went all the way to Syria with a letter to say, I'm going to go persecute Christians in, in a city called Damascus. But during the road, what happened? God changed him. He saw a vision of Christ. And therefore, he became a follower of Christ. And with the same zeal that he had persecuting Christians, now he has the same zeal to be able to go share the gospel towards others. So he went all over. He went to Asia. He went to uh, uh, all over Europe. And part of the place in Europe that he went to is a city called Thessalonica. Okay? Thessalonica, or in the Greek is Thessaloniki, like the name Nike, which is victory. So it's a city of victory. It is uh, northern Greece. And in there, he actually, when you look at Acts 17, he's only there only for three weeks. How many weeks? Three. He wanted to stay longer, but what ended up happening was because he was persecuted, because people were going against him. Because people were coming to faith. Some of the people said, oh, whoa, if these people start believing God, what happened to the temples? People would not go worship it to the goddess Adina and all these other things. These pagan gods. So he went to Gentiles, non-Jews. So then they caused a riot. And therefore he had to be kicked out. He had to be kicked out. So he was only there for three weeks. But in those three weeks of ministry, a real church formed. But if you look at this verse, does he love this church? Yes. He misses them, okay? In fact, he says in two, uh, this verse, in the end of verse 17, he says, he desired to see what? Them face to face. When it says, to see your face. He misses this church, and he's eager to meet with the members of the church of Thessalonica. He says he has desired to meet them face to face, and he has also not seen them for some time. Now, I don't have time to go over this, but I think it's been some years since he's been in this church, Okay? Uh, First Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians is actually one of the earlier church letters of Paul, okay? One of the earlier ones in his life, okay? Uh, but here you see in writing this, he hasn't been with them for a while because if you look at Acts 17, which is the historical setting, he went from Thessalonica, persecuted, boom, he went to Berea. When Berea, people from Thessalonica, 
follow along and say, hey, this guy's causing trouble. Then another problem, boom. And then he has to move on. Then he moved on to Athens, which Acts 17 is when him witnessing to the Athenian philosophers of their day and age. If I could give an analogy, that's almost like going to UCLA. You guys know Bruin Walk, some of you guys know, where there's all those isms, right? There's communists there, Marxists there, right? Everybody under the sun, everyone's sitting down arguing all the time, right? Cults, everything else, okay? That's like, kind of like what Acts of Mars Hill was like. People, any a new idea comes over and people just argue and like to hear new ideas. So he went all over, but yet in light of everywhere he's gone, he misses this church. I know in, in verses 17, if you look again, it says, Brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while. And you might say, Jimmy, why would you say a few years? Why would you say a few years? I think it's exegetically sound, or it is biblical to say it's been a few years, because after he went to Athens, where did he go next? Corinth, then Ephesians. So he's been going all over the place, okay? And those places take time. But why does he say then? You might say, Jimmy, is it a contradiction? It says here for a short while. I don't think it's necessarily a contradiction. I don't think it is a contradiction. I think what he's trying to say here is he misses them and he's so eager beaver to meet them. He's so eager to see them face to face. He's so eager to meet church members. He's saying, you know what? It's going to come soon, Lord willing, that I will be able to see you face to face. Okay? So I think it shows that he has much anticipation and with much eager and enthusiasm to meet with the church members at this local church in Thessalonica. He also clarifies this by saying, how, how, what kind of desire does he have? What's the adjective before desire in your Bible version? What does it say in 1 Thessalonians 2.17? It says great, okay? That means he has a big desire, okay? He has a big desire to see the face of the believers there. By the way, since Paul has great desire to be with this church, he also says, hey, you know, I might be away from you in person, as it says, but, quote, not in spirit, which means what? Even when he's gone, he's still eager to meet with the, what, members of this church. So in some sense, he was, his spirit is with them. That is, these church members are in his thoughts and in his prayers, okay? In his prayers. By the way, does, that, does this not move you as an example? Does this not move you as an example? Here is Paul, who's not able to see these church members because he's been persecuted. If he comes back, he's going to endanger the church, okay, for persecution. Here's a member that misses them so much, he didn't just write one letter, because if there's first Thessalonians, how many other letters there must be? There must be at least another, right? He wrote two letters, okay? He wrote two letters because he misses this church that much, okay? He loves them. And I think from, this is more outside uh, the Bible and church history, I think he was able to see them again uh, for a short time before he later was in prison in 62 AD and eventually be martyred for the faith. But let this move us that we sometimes take seeing other members of the church what? For granted, do we not? We sometimes do. Sometimes we even take it so much for granted, we easily get what? Annoyed with people in the church. Oh, I'm going to go to Sunday. Hey, there's some people I want to put, I want to see. There's some, oh, I'm going to kind of stay away from. But brothers and sisters, that ought not to be. As application, so as application from this truth, be eager to meet with what? Church members, okay? It should be that when you drive in this morning into the parking lot, you're eager to say, I want to go and see the brothers and sisters here. Do you struggle to be eager to meet with the church? And also be eager to meet with church members. Let me say this real quick. Our name of our church is what? Truth Chinese Alliance Church. 
if I sometimes think about it as a, just as a game in my mind, like if we have to knock out those four letters, four words, which part do I knock out? I'll definitely, will have no heartbeat. If the word Chinese is not there, I am more than okay. How many percentage? 100% okay, okay? I am more than 100% okay. But then I think, okay, what other part can we knock out? Uh, alliance, if we're not part of alliance denomination, there's other churches that are biblical too, okay? But then I think about what remains. Truth and what? Church, okay? Now, I don't think we're the only true church, but hopefully we preach the church, uh, the, uh, a church the truth, okay? I hope we will never be a church that compromises the truth. I hope we'll be a church that we, in this pulpit, I pray, Lord, that in this pulpit, those, well, myself and those after me, because one day we'll all what? Pass away. That after everyone here in this pulpit will preach a truth or they have an early retirement in many forms, physical death or otherwise, okay? That is my desire. But in light of all this, I hope we come because we want to hear God's truth, but I want to encourage you guys to go to the church more than just saying, okay, I want the truth. We want the truth. We want the truth 16 ounces of the pound, but we also should want a desire eager to meet with who? Every members of the church, okay? So as application, if you struggle with this, the first thing you need to do is pray to God. Pray to God. Pray to God, Lord God, I am not so eager to meet with other church members. It could be, reasons could be multiple, okay? Pray to God to give you the desire to see those in your church, to seek those and eager to meet with them. Pray to God for that, okay? I believe God is sovereign. I believe God is sovereign and He's in control and He can change our hearts. Pray to God also to give you a love for God's people. Not just to say, oh, I want to see them, but actually genuinely love them, okay? Sometimes we can want to see God's people for reasons that are not fully biblical. For instance, sometimes we could easily meet with people because we're man-pleasers. We want someone to think highly of us. But desire to even go further, to say, I want to come here to love the members of this church. Meditate on God's love. And by the way, when you love other people, is it always easy? No. Outside the church and inside the church, it is hard. So the first thing you need to do in, in cultivating love for others is, I think, cultivate and knowing the deep God, the deep love God has for you. Study the gospel deeply. Let that truth of how much God loves you move you to what? Love other people. Don't forget also, for those who are in the church, uh, uh, don't forget who those people are in the church. We look around us. I look right now, I see little Andrew. I look right now, I see my brother Jin, right? All of us here, right? All of us here, you know, I see my wife and my kids and all of you guys, okay? Every one of you guys, listen, listen, every one of you guys are the members of Christ's body. Are the member of Christ. The Bible actually says the church is the bride of who? Christ. How many of you guys went to a wedding recently? Whether your own or someone else's, right? Okay. Okay. How many of you guys would go to a wedding and say bad things about the bride? How many of us would actually says, go over there and say, you know what? I'm, Jen just got recently married. How many of us would say, you know what, I'm going to go to bride, but I'm going to go, you know what, I don't really like your bride. How many of us would you say that? <laughs> no, oh, wow, you don't want to say that. Not to Marine, right? But in light of all this, listen, but sometimes we're, guess about, think about this. God's word says the church is the bride of Christ. But yet we could sometimes be ready to say, now we need to acknowledge our faults. I know the church is not perfect. How do I know? <laughs> I'm the pastor. And I know myself, I'm a sinner too, okay? We all need grace. But I also want to encourage you guys to think beyond just saying bad things about the church because that is the bride of Christ. You pray for it. Just like the same thing. If you have a family member and you say, oh, this is not worried, but you love them both, you pray for them. 
You don't just talk smack and gossip. You love the church. You pray for them. You talk to them in love, hoping to encourage them to grow. If you think about it, church, the Bible says because the church is the bride of Christ, one day there will be a wedding feast. Yes? True or not? One day that Christ will meet all of us. And one day, yes, realize every Sunday when we meet is what? A wedding rehearsal. Yes? Wedding rehearsal for the meeting anticipation in heaven. And all of us one day will be perfected. All of us. I love you guys. I love this church. There's people, if I could just be honest, that is, 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 is difficult. Right? I can't wait to see all of us being perfected. And why I continue to love is because I close my eyes and I think, I believe this person knows the Lord. But one day, even with all their struggles, God will change them. And God says He's changing them even now. So be eager to look forward to this. Have this perspective that this is the bride of Christ. And every time we're meeting, yeah, we're not perfect. People will hurt each other. We'll say something insensitive. We'll, we'll be all of this. But this is a dress rehearsal for what? The great feast that one day when we meet Christ Himself. Let's go to point number two. Point number two. We must also, if point number one is be eager to meet with church members. I think that's foundation for everything else that follow, okay? Secondly, is we want to sing with thanksgiving. Sing with thanksgiving. This is a way that all of us could bless the church, okay? So you don't have to be a pastor standing here. You don't have to be uh, a member, even reading, sharing scripture or sermon reflection, though we encourage you guys, those who are genuine members, to, to do this. But at the same time, we also realize we could all bless others right now, no matter how young, no matter how Old, no matter who you are, it was by singing. Turn with me to Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. I love how in the Bible there's these various 3.16 verses that are beautiful, right? Ones we always think of is what, John 3.16, right? The gospel right there. But here's another one, Colossians 3.16. If you guys turn with me, Colossians 3.16. This is what Colossians 3.16 says. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom, Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your heart to God. Reading this from the NSB, reading this verse, I think the command is very clear. This command is what? We are to sing. But God is concerned about the attitude that we sing at church. Notice what kind of attitude we should have. It says, with thanksgiving in your heart to who? To God, okay? With thanksgiving to God. Singing is, by the way, is not about pleasing ourselves first. It's about pleasing who first? God, okay? Uh, I think most times people make choices uh, of what church they go to. It's, I think it's unfortunate. It's often about musical preferences, okay? We live in a day with a lot of musical choices, do we not? Some of us like, I don't know, worldly pop right? or whatever else, right? Um, uh, some of us like, you know, different kinds of music, bluegrass, whatever else. We have so much choices, but I want to encourage you guys that when you pick churches, hopefully it's not just only whether or not, oh, do they have drums? I don't have a drum, right? Oh, the worship pastor doesn't have a skinny jeans and have more things in his hair more than, you know, my wife does, okay? Uh, that shouldn't be our preference. It should be, we must be concerned about singing God's truth. First, it should be singing towards who? Thanksgiving towards God, okay? When we sing, we sometimes could even go through the motion, but don't forget who we're singing to. We're singing to God. One of the things I love about hearing the music at church, I know I don't often talk about this, is I actually think my sermon preparation does not end on Sunday, Saturday night. I think my sermon preparation, you know when it ends? Is at 11, 20, 25, 
when Victor and this morning Anthony ends the worship because that prepared my heart to what? To preach God's word. To sing the truth, biblical truth content here. This morning, uh, one of the songs that uh, I never heard before was For the Cause. Some of you guys might have known this before. The part that I can't sing. But it says, Christ we proclaim, the name above every name. And I was reading those words, I remember thinking, wow, we're gathering here today. That song is saying that we, what? Nations. The Hebrew word for nation is goyim, which means basically Gentiles. Okay? Isn't it so interesting that today we gather here? Most of us, I'm assuming, are not Jewish, like ethnically Jewish. But we could be all here, most of us are what? Pig-eating Gentiles. True or not, right? Yes. Who of us like El Pastor for your carne asada, right? Okay. Who here likes like dim sum? Right, chasubao, or whatever else you want, right? You like all this? How is it today that we have a bunch of pork, pig-eating Gentiles that the Jews would consider dirty? How is it all of us today could be worshiping God is because what? It was Christ's plan from the beginning. God's plan from Genesis 12 said, it's not just for the Jews. Yes, the Messiah, Jesus would come from the Jews, but eventually it's to bless all of us, for Him to die, to save all of us. That should cause us to sing with joy, to sing with joy. So as application, even before you go to church, pray. Pray ahead of time and say, hey, when I come this morning, I want to sing in a way that, Lord God, you'll be pleased with, with all of our hearts. By the way, uh, some of us make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's myself here, okay? I remember when I was in Master Seminary, we would have the choir. They would have this guy, Clay Nerve. He does all the, you know, I'll be the only one in worship class where he gets, you know, the, what do you call those, the hand motion? I'll always sit on front because my friend always wants to sit on front. And I never like sitting on front in class, but that time. So, you know, you do like some is four counts, and I'm doing three counts, and I'm looking, everyone's hand is moving down, and I'm moving sideways, right? It doesn't make sense. So I'm those guys that make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But still even making a joyful noise unto the Lord, you sing, because you sing with joy unto the Lord, with all your might, with all your spirit. Focus on the spiritual truths that songs teach us, just like what I mentioned this morning. Songs that have biblical truth is good for your soul, okay? And by the way, it should make you think about God, even as you're singing, meditate, or saying, wow, that is so amazingly true. Even this morning as we sang the gospel, we are sinners, but God loved us so much, He came on earth to die for us, okay? Ask yourself, what truths have you found this morning that minister to you? By the way, in looking at Colossians 3.16, did you catch that when we sing, while we sing for God first, it also bless others? Did you guys see that? It says, even admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Say, how does it correct others? Even this morning, as I was listening, I was thinking to myself, how does it correct me, this song? And what Victor, leading us, one of the lyrics was what? We must pick up our, what? Cross. It reminds me that, yes, we go through struggles throughout this week. But I need to remember to continue to be faithful to who? To God. And I'm called to still continue to love those who are difficult in my life and family and outside the church and everything else. But I also continue to persevere in all that I do. I need to continuously pick up my cross. That Listen, every one of us have a lot that we are to carry. That we're called to glorify God in. It might not be the same as another brother or sister at church. But every one of us has that. And that admonishes me. That corrects me. And that encourages me. So hear the truths. And by the way, sing. Yes, we ultimately must sing to glorify God. But also we sing as best to our ability as possible. To bless others as well, okay? By the way, when you come to church, sometimes you hear some voices above the others, okay? I love hearing uh, Victor's wife, Wendy, sings. 
in the past, there's in the past where we had less people do worship. I remember in the past where there's some service where if Victor is out of town, we have to sing a cappella. Do you guys remember those days? Sometimes we would bring the hymnal, and I'll be leading, and I'll be like, brothers and sisters, we'll, count, we'll sing this on a count of three. One, two, three. And as soon as we say three, I'm listening for Wendy. Then I'm following her to lead, right? Okay? But I'm still leading. I'm still in front, but I delegate with that, okay? So as you're blessed with that, as you're blessed with that, also as well, bless others. So realize there's a sense where we're singing God's truth. This is a way to bless others. Sing with genuine thanksgiving towards God first. And I think that will be a blessing towards others. Let's go to the third point. The third point is this. If, point number one is be eager to meet church, uh, church members or meet with church members. Point number two is sing with thanksgiving. Point number three is this. Greet others, Okay. Greet others. I want to say this because it might be a little different than point one. You might say it's similar, but I think it's different. Point one is the foundation is you got to be eager to meet with church members. But some of us could be like, oh, we're so eager to be here. We really are blessed. But we might not say anything to initiate uh, in conversation towards others. So I want to encourage you guys with point number three is to greet others. Turn with me to Romans 16, 16. Turn with me to Romans 16, 16. Romans 16, 16. Now, when I preach this verse every time, I realize we have to be very careful how we apply this, okay? Romans 16, 16. Yeah, okay. It says here, greet one another, okay? Uh, notice the verb greet appears tw- twice. The beginning as a command and also saying, hey, the reality Paul's writing to the church in Rome and said, you know, I minister to other churches, they also send their greetings. They also wish blessings upon you. Now, there's a part that you might stumble for some of us and say, why does it say with a holy kiss? Okay? Uh, remember this Rome? Rome is in modern day what? What country? Italy. Okay? Uh, do Italians greet one another still culturally with a kiss? Yes. I remember when I used to work security in Hollywood, uh, I had a manager who was full Italian. I mean... One time he, you know, uh, we do movie theaters, and one time he brought his grandma, right? I mean, it was such an Italian grandma. He comes over and says, Mom, you know, it was almost like, Mama Mia, and everything else, and he's like greeting everything, and she's greeting, and says, oh, this is one of my workers, and she's like greeting me with the kiss also as well. It's like, wow, this is, you know, the whole thing. It's almost like, it's almost like Godfather Part Two or something like that, okay? <laughs> so in some culture, it's cultural greeting with that, okay? By the way, the, in terms of early church history, uh, the greeting of a holy kiss stopped around the 2nd and 3rd century because there were people that were getting weird with that. Okay, So just you guys know like why it is it stopped. But still, the greater principle that's not cultural is we must greet one another. Okay, We must greet one another. Okay, We must greet one another. We must greet strangers. And by the way, sometimes you can be shy and it's difficult. But realize you're in God's house. Okay, I know we live in L.A., and we're not necessarily in L.A. a greeting culture, true or not. You drive other places and other states. One thing I do appreciate sometimes, there's um, every subculture has its flaw because of our sinfulness, okay? You can't say your culture is greater or your subculture because why? Every culture has sin. Does Chinese culture have sin? Oh, yeah, yes, you bet, okay? I'll be the first to point it out, okay? But at the same time, at the same time, every culture also has things that are good. Sometimes I love, you drive Midwest, what, you drive? There's no cars. And then someone drive by, you're like, did that person wave at me? Oh, I'm imagining things. Oh, second truck. Oh, they actually wave. Everyone waves here, right? But in L.A. culture, the hard part is what? You could walk, walking in the night, right? You see someone, 
you're exercising, walking, and you say hi, and they're like weirded out, like they walk over around you, right? You're like, oh, I'm just trying to make it not scary by greeting them, right? But you know what? In church, we should greet one another. By the way, the good thing about greeting at church is unlike those awkward situations when you're running in your neighborhood and you say hi and they're like weirded out with you, the difference is that they're expecting to be greeted at church, sure or not. If it's, if it's weird, it's weird on them, okay? So greet one another, okay? Greet one another. Sometimes we don't greet others. We feel we might be a small church. It's like, oh, I know them, right? We know one another. We know each other's name. We don't need to greet one another. But brothers and sisters, it, this ought not to be. This ought not to be, okay? How much more we should greet one another if we know each other's name? How much more so if we're such a small church, we'll run into each other, we'll see each other, right? Instead of big church, we could avoid each other, we could go around the other way. How much more should we greet one another if we know each other firsthand, if we know each other and our church is small? As application, greet one another. Don't think of anyone above you from being greeting, and don't think of anyone especially beneath you from being, greeting others. Then on not to be. When you're at church, greet one another. By the way, greet one another with a what? A smile. I naturally don't smile, but greet one another with genuine joy, and I think the smile will come naturally, okay? If you're shy, I think most of my life I've been shy until the Lord saved me. How, what do you do when you're shy? I think the first thing is even greet one another. Uh, don't just carry all the burden of greet one another. Put the burden on the other person by what? By asking a question, Okay. By the way, people love talking about themselves, true or not. How do we know people like talking about themselves? It's because when you go to the supermarket, you see the People's Magazine. Why is it called People? It's because people like talking and hearing about other people, true or not. I'm not saying it's all good, but that's human nature. So sometimes when you meet them, the best thing you could do is what? How are you? Okay? And then they say, oh, I'm doing fine. Then you say the same thing, except now you say, no, really, how are you? Okay? So that's simple. So don't just put, if you're shy... Don't just only just, okay, come over and give a full report of your life. By the way, sometimes that might be unsolicited. So begin first by being compassionate, eager to meet with another member, and ask them, Hi, how are you? Right? How are you doing? Okay? How are you doing? Okay? So greeting others also as well. Uh, By the way, sometimes I know some of us, we could come to church late. Uh, So this is not one of those convictions. I'm I'm, I'm just trying to bring bring a point with it, okay? When you come late, you say, Oh, I don't have to greet one another. Because I missed the point where you have to stand up and shake other people's hands. Ha ha ha, I made it, right? But no, you're not off the hook, my brothers and sisters. Greeting one another means even when you're leaving, what should you guys say? Hey guys, I'm taking off, okay? Use your big boy or big boy voice and say goodbye, okay? Make sure before you leave, shake someone's hand. And by the way, if you want to say goodbye to everyone and you don't know how to do it, you, you might not have the, you know, like Anthony and, and Jin's voice of saying, hey, hello guys, goodbye, I'll see you guys later. They're big boy Marine Corps boys. That's okay. You know how, what's the key to say goodbye to everyone? Say goodbye to your pastor. Hey, Pastor Jimmy, I'm going to be going now. Goodbye. And they'll be like, okay, hey guys, hey, uh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, say, hey, let's say goodbye. Hey, all of you guys say goodbye. They, hey, goodbye, goodbye, and everyone's eating their food and say goodbye, okay? So that's how you greet one another and exit that way, okay? We are brothers and sisters with the church. Greet one another, okay? Greet one another, okay? By the way, greet visitors, even those that are new, okay? Greet them also as well. If you're really, really shy, guess what? Ask them a few questions. And say, hey, I know a brother like this. Hey, brother so-and-so, sister and so-and-so. But, but, but don't, 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 don't like escape, don't, don't just run away. But also bring more to share, to be welcoming, okay? To rubber band them in also with yourself as well, okay? 
Also, fourth point, let's go to the fourth point for the sake of time. Uh, for the fourth point, we will also as well need to pray for someone, okay? Go to church with the goal to pray for someone. All the other things, I think, are very important. Greeting others is very important. In fact, some people in church can be so cold. It's like, oh, I can never meet with them until, what, a thousand greetings, okay? They're going to be hard as a rock. But sometimes greeting is like the drop of a bucket every Sunday. And even rocks over time, but water dripping, guess what happened? Cracks, okay? Then you could, what, share more of God's word and God's love. But point number four, pray for someone. Pray for someone, okay? First Thessalonians 3.12. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 3.12. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, just so I could catch my breath. Joshua and big boy voice, could you read that out loud? First Thessalonians 3.12. Yeah, thank you for sharing this, reading this. Here's Paul speaking again. But if you, what blows my mind away is, if you look at this, he's making a request. And he's making a request concerning the church of Thessalonica, which he loves. We talked about earlier. But he makes a request really towards God. In other words, what he's doing here is he's actually praying for the church. It is a prayer to the Lord that the believers in the church will grow in love for one another. By the way, as he's praying for them to grow in love for another, he also loves the church, and he shows his love by what? By praying for them. Okay? By praying for them. So see the church as an opportunity, what? As an opportunity to pray for one another. Okay? As an opportunity to pray for one another. I've heard this saying before when I was young. When I was in high school with a Christian club, uh, this one substitute teacher told me he was Christian. He knew that I was trying to start up the uh, prayer at the pole thing. Uh, he was saying like, wow. And I was really discouraged. He's like, oh, man. Like, uh, you know, only half of the Christian club, the high school kids showed up. And he was like, wow, if it's half, that's a lot. And back then, if you guys know my story, my parents uh, were not believers. They didn't want me to go to church. So the Christian club in high school was like my church. And I didn't know. And he was telling me like, you know, in most churches, the, pr- the smallest meeting of all is what? The prayer meeting. The biggest gathering of all of us as a church is what? On Sunday. Then Wednesday, midweek fellowship, people do their own thing. Sunday school, people might, oh, I'm not really into theology. They might not show up. And he brought up a good point that he mentioned. I think he didn't, it was not originally. He made a good point. People sometimes show up for Sunday for the preacher. People sometimes show up for what? For Sunday school for the teacher. People sometimes show up midweek, a uh, small group, because they want to have life with other people. But people show up for prayer meeting often is to really what? Commune for God. It's the smallest meeting, usually in churches. Now, with all these exhortations, I think God has really worked in our church as well, too. Uh, I think our prayer meeting has grown a lot. So join us for prayer meeting, okay? So go to church. And if you're shy with praying for others and spiritual conversation, begin with what? Uh, begin with going to prayer meetings. Listen, listen. Say this after me. Prayer meeting... Our training wheels. You guys know what I mean by training wheels? My daughters, uh, Rebecca, Ab- Rebecca, Abigail, and Hannah were what? Riding bikes. What do they have? Two wheels or four wheels? Four wheels. Four wheel drive. Okay. But then Rebecca now is a little older. We remove what? The training wheels. Yes. You remember that, Rebecca? And it's like it's like exciting for me, right? Okay. But listen, prayer meeting is a great time. To pray, but I want to encourage you to pray beyond just praying. So if you need help to pray for other people, the best thing you could do is what? 
is pray at prayer meeting, okay? You will be praying for other people by showing up to prayer meeting. That's like, that's like fishing in an aquarium. There's no way you can miss, okay? You will hit your mark. You will get your target. You will accomplish your goal just by showing up to prayer meeting at 1 o'clock to pray for others, okay? So, as, an, uh, as application also as well, how do you pray with others? Six simple words. Ask them the question, how may I pray for you? Asking this is a good idea because what? It's direct to the point, okay? It's direct to the point. Why is also a good idea to ask this question is also, this is a way of making discussion spiritually focused since we're talking about God. Sometimes I know we could small talk about many things, but to make it spiritual right away is, I think, asking the question, how may I pray for you? By the way, it's also loving. You're showing care for that person. Also, after asking the question, wait to hear what they say, okay? Some of us, when we hear, okay, what's your, what do you pray for? Well, you know what? I have really been down. And you know, oh, I'll pray for you right now. And you're like, whoa. And they didn't even get to share. And then they eventually shut down because they feel like you're not really wanting to pray for them. You just want to be able to say, I'm praying for you. So the, uh, as an application, even just ask that as an open-ended question. Pause a little bit, okay? So that they will be able to share. By the way, I need to do this because well, I'm a preacher. I have a preacher's mouth, right? My mach- mouth is machine guns and God's truth all day. So I have to be very intentional to say, you know what? I need to be very slow. And the way I slow down is what? Talk more softly. So that way, what? I'm slower paced. So that when I ask them, how may I pray for you? They would share. And hopefully, I would be able to hear more of what's going on. Wait for them to share. Then, I think it's also good to resolve to pray with them right then and there. Don't just say, I'll pray for you tonight. And then tonight, when you go pray, you lie down in bed and say, Oh God, it's now time for pray. Dear God. And it is all disease. Okay? But pray for them right then and there. Pray out loud. If appropriate, have your hand on his shoulder. Cry out to God for them. And also pray and believe that God hears our prayers, okay? For those that are youth, you guys could go uh, for the, um, the kids, the prizes, okay? Uh, Andrew, okay? Uh, Andrew and Leo also as well, okay? Um, feel, if you feel scared or shy, remember, praying with the church is something people do expect at church, okay? By the way, you hear sometimes people say, I don't go to church because no one ever talked to me. But very rarely do you ever hear people say, I don't go to this church because this brother always asked to pray for me. If that person does that, I think the problem is more with them, okay? So, uh, in general, you rarely hear people say, I don't want to go to church because this people, these people pray for me. You rarely hear that, okay? So, in light of this, that helps me uh, deal with my fear of man by actually saying, you know what? I'm going to go. And don't be discouraged by Satan's lie that this is awkward and therefore we don't do it, okay? Pray for someone today. And ask those six simple words, right? Don't waste awkward silence when sometimes you talk to someone and it's awkward. Like you say, how is your work? How's your day? How's your family? And it's awkward. Hey, don't waste your awkward moments. Redeem it by asking what? How may I pray for you? Okay? How may I pray for you? So in light of all this, by the way, the uh, greatest redeemer, uh, in light of all these truth, in light of all these truth, it is hard to live this out, true or not. Who here thinks it's all easy? I would say it's hard. Could I be honest? It is hard. I think it's good to look at these lists. Let me review this and ask yourself the question, what is your strength and where is your weakness? Point number one, be eager to meet with church members. Is that your strength? 
Or is that your weakness? By the way, here's to be honest. Ask that question to someone that's close to you in your life. We often deceive ourselves, do we not? We often deceive ourselves, do we not? I'm always amazed with hospital visitation of how many people, when the doctor comes over as a pastor visiting, how many people say, doctor, I know. And I'm thinking, oh, wait, I think the doctor knows more. But why is that person saying to the doctor, I know, right? So we're so easily self-deceive ourselves how much we know and how much we apply. So ask yourself the question, if someone were to grade you on a scale of 1 to 10, what grade would they give you? 10, 9, 8, right? Let's look at it again. Be eager to meet church members. Sing with thanksgiving. Greet others. Pray for someone. Look at these four and say, which one is your strength? Some of you would say, oh, I greet others because with the help of what? Greeting time, right? Some of us might be strong with eager to meet with church members. You've been battling all week and you're just there excited to meet the saints. Some of us love to sing and we sing well. Some of us also love to pray for others. So ask yourself, what is your strength and what is your weakness? And even looking at these you know what my weakness is? It's often singing for Thanksgiving. Because when, I, when we look at the songs, sometimes I feel, oh, I can't sing. Right? So know your weakness and realize and work with this. And you know what moves me, motivates me? I don't want to just give a bunch of grocery lists of what's to do. We want to end by looking towards Christ. We don't want to look at God's grace to enable us to live this out. When I look at these things, I think the only person that actually lived this out well is who? Jesus Christ. Was he eager to meet with his church members, the bride of Christ? Yes. By the way, he loves them so much, he's willing to what? Die for them, for their sins. Not just risk his life, but actually die for their sins. Does he sing? Yeah. Sometimes he'll go alone in the mountains and what? Sing. By the way, if you look very carefully in the Gospel of Luke, right before he go to Garden of Gethsemane, what were they doing? They were singing of him. I think he was singing Psalm 118, but that's another sermon another time. He does it well. Does he greet others with love? Yeah. In fact, even when his disciples says, hey, kids, get the kids away, he says what? He welcomes them and say, we must welcome people like that also as well. Does he pray for others? And does he pray well? Yeah. Read John 17, his high priestly prayer before he dies. The reason, listen, the reason why true believers don't fall away is not because you're awesome. It's not because of our own strength. But it's because of the prayer of Christ. That He prays beyond His disciples. He prays for us. Could you imagine? The very night before He dies, He wasn't only thinking about Himself. He was thinking about the glory of God the Father. And from there saying, I will die for sinners also as well. And He made a point to what? To pray for us, okay? To pray for us. To pray that we will persevere. To pray for the unity of Christ, of all of us. And to pray for us to bear what? Fruit. Look towards Christ first. Rather than just look at these grocery lists of things to do next Sunday, which we should do. Look towards Christ. See how much He's so gracious. And let His example, and let the gospel love that He died for us moves us to say, I love you, Lord. You died for me. I trust in you. I have faith in you and faith in you alone to save me. And therefore, out of abundant love for you because of your abundant love for me, I'm eager to look forward to wake up early 
to meet with church members. I'm eager to come to church to sing with thanksgiving. I'm eager to greet one another and to, to, to say a goodbye to others. And also eager to pray for one another. Let us close in a word of prayer.